You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number two. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Maddie's still on vacation. Patrick Dumas co-hosting with me this week. We'll talk to Buck Martinez. Covers the Blue Jays for Sportsnet at the bottom of the hour. But right now, it's been a minute. Since our next guest has joined us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, we say good morning to our friend, NFL analyst for CBS, Charles Davis. Charles, how have you been? I've been great, and and when you guys bring me in with Redbone, thank you, thank you, (laughs) thank you. One of the all-time greats, and how about them breaking chains as a Native American band playing Mm. the rock? Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Come Um, and get you. Charles, I love that we're starting to talk uh, some NFL football. We had some news yesterday, obviously, DeAndre Hopkins uh, going to the Tennessee Titans. Kind of a surprise uh, to a lot of fans because apparently even he said he was waiting on the Kansas City Chiefs. Your thoughts on D-Hop going to Music City? Yeah, I I think everything you just said hit where I was. I thought that once he made his quick tour, and remember, it was a quick one because mm-hmm. normally a free agent like DeAndre Hopkins, you're working the whole circuit, right? He worked Tennessee and New England, and that was it. That's all we heard about. And as soon as I heard that and he didn't sign at either place, I said, ah, ha, ha, ha. he's waiting for one of the bigs. Mm-hmm. Buffalo had signed a pass rusher. I didn't know if they had the money. And Kansas City is very creative with their salary cap, as you well know. They do a great job with that. Despite Patrick Mahomes' contract, they know how to stay flexible. So I was just wondering if he was waiting for KC. And that kind of seemed to be where it was headed. But I knew between Tennessee and New England, if you were talking about lifestyle becoming a part of it, DeAndre Hopkins' lifestyle fits Tennessee, fits Nashville better than it does Foxborough. Country Western fan, pace, how he grew up, Tennessee fits really well. Either place he was going to go, he was going to be wide receiver one. Mm. But Tennessee, he gets to show the young kid, Traylon Burks, how it's done and hopes that he can recapture that past glory. But I really thought Kansas City, it would not have shocked anyone today if Kansas City had come out with him. That was the mild surprise that they didn't take him. Uh, Charles, I never fault players, especially in the National Football League, to get theirs. Was this a money thing? Is just the yeah. Titans just offered twenty six million over two years, and that's why he's there? I think that's a big part of it. I don't think we can get past it, and I think you expressed it perfectly. Any of us on the outside who sit there and say, "Well, he's made X amount in his career. Why wouldn't he go to a contender? He doesn't need the money." We don't know that. We don't know his finances. We don't know who he's supporting. We don't know what he's trying to create for for those who come behind him. You know, like I always talk about, I don't do domestic when it comes to people's relationships. I definitely don't do finance. Mm -hmm. So I think you put it out there perfectly. Whatever they want to do financially is up to them. And if that was the best offer and Kansas City or, or that contender, if he was willing to take less, didn't come through, I don't think anyone should blame him. By the way, Tennessee, I know the projections are bad going into the season, but it's a good organization with a top five to ten head coach that barely missed the playoffs last year in a total collapse. 
this doesn't necessarily mean he's gone to a bad team. Yeah, we don't know that. What's your feel overall on the AFC South? You know, we got Houston and Indianapolis with two rookie quarterbacks. Uh, I don't know how much Anthony Richardson is going to see to start the year, but uh, and then Jacksonville, uh, upstart Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence ready to take that next step? Uh, big comeback last year against the Chargers in the wild card round. Uh, overall, like, how do you think the AFC South is going to shake out? I still think ja- it's Jacksonville's division to lose. I think you're right about that, but I don't think that the gap is so big yeah. that the others can't dream. Hmm. I think, you know, but for us to go in and go, well, Jacksonville and Chase, that feels like folly to me. <laughs> Jacksonville did a great job last year yeah. into the playoffs, but how much help did they get in Tennessee's collapse to get there? That's true. So the idea of, oh, my goodness, Jacksonville just runs that division. Well, I think they're the best team. I'm with you on that. And Trevor Lawrence took a huge leap last year, and it didn't hurt one bit with the coaching changes. Because let's be honest about it. What they put out there for him his rookie year versus what he has now, I've called it coaching malpractice, and I stand by that. That's what it was his first year. A player like that being coached the way he was coached with that dysfunction from the top. And you have to remember, I was a guy who thought that that was going to work. So I'm not trying to play revisionist history and line up and take my shots. I might have been in the minority, but I was on record as thinking, hey, I think that Meyer can work here. I thought he was smart enough to figure it out, get it, the whole deal. He didn't get it, and they didn't get it, and they hurt the kid early, and now they're not. But the rest of the division, listen, Houston will get better over time because I'll Mm -hmm. I'll go out on a a limb here. D'Amico Ryans will last and be a head coach year two. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. First time in a long time in Houston. And Indianapolis, they're going to play Anthony Richardson as soon as is humanly re- possible yeah. because the owner has come out three times and mm. said he needs to play. If I'm a rookie head coach, I might listen to what my <laughs> owner has said. He's going to play. Yeah. Um, Charles, we know that uh, the Jets uh, starting up training camp uh, later this week. Uh, they're going to be on hard knocks. How fascinated are you by the Jets starring Aaron Rodgers this season? I think we all are, whether we want to admit it or not. You guys <laughs> probably run into people saying the exact same thing. I'm sick of hearing Aaron Rodgers. I'm tired of Aaron Rodgers. And then if you come up, come up behind them and they don't know you're there, they're listening to an Aaron Rodgers interview. He's one of those people that is yeah. like the car wreck. Say you're not going to watch, but you do. And what they've done to bring him in in a division that's flat-out loaded, the only payoff is for him to get them to the Super Bowl. That's the only payoff. Yeah. That's why they did this. They didn't do it for any other reason. You cannot waste what is going to be one of the top five defenses in the NFL. And that's what Aaron Rodgers is there for. But lest we forget, Buffalo run the division in recent years. Miami playoffs last year. And New England is New England. Now, they're probably going to be picked fourth to start the season, but no one ever looks at New England and goes, well, that's a soft touch. That's just not how it works. Are, can, can the Jets legitimately make a ton of noise here? Because I know you talked about the defense. Charles, they even had mediocre quarterback play. That's a playoff team last year. Do you think Rodgers has yeah. enough in the tank that they can beat the likes of Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Buffalo in the playoffs? They can. They absolutely can if he's playing at the level that we saw two years ago. Because 
well, the other thing, the other part is going to be, does the offensive line hold up? Makai Becton is in the best shape he's been in as a pro. We don't know if he's a left tackle or a right tackle. Dwayne Brown had surgery. We know he's a Pro Bowl left tackle and has been in the past. Elijah Vera Tucker coming off of injury. They want to play him at guard where I think he can be an all-pro. They've drafted a rookie center in Joe Tipman. If that offensive line holds up, Brees Hall comes back at running back and gives him a little firepower. Garrett Wilson was tremendous as a rookie receiver. Multiple tight ends who can catch the ball. Yeah, they've got more than enough, but they have to prove it. You know, <laughs> Buffalo's not going to just simply go, well, oh, they got Aaron Rodgers. Well, oh, heck, well, shoot, we can just fold 10. You know, Miami is a track team. And they didn't have their full quarterbacking complement last year because of Tua's injury. But you're right. Listen, the Jets were 7-3 and three at one point last year with bad quarterbacking. Uh, you talk about uh, a team and the Jets needing to prove it, but I talk, I'm thinking about Buffalo. Like, how many more years can they do this? They've got a really good roster. They've got a top three quarterback in this league. They've gotten to the championship game. They've given Sean McDermott an extension. But how many more years can this can Bills fans take of? Oh, now we're just losing in the AFC Championship game all the time because we can't get over Joe Burrow or Pat Mahomes. Yeah, but. It's a legitimate question. I do think that last year there has to be a mulligan in there. Yeah. Because with DeMar Hamlin, if that had happened in Kansas City, they don't win the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. If that had been, you know, it doesn't, Philadelphia, they don't get to the, the reason I say that is once something like that happens, and thank goodness this young man makes it, right? But then... Let's include all of us who are on this conversation right now, right? When we go and cover a team or we do whatever, that became the focal point of everything, and rightly so. We were all celebrating it. But at a certain point, they had to play football. And, you know, we weighed them down, not not, not on purpose to hurt them. We weighed them down because every question we asked had a DeMar Hamlin tinge to it. And at a certain point, that gets to you. And you're trying to push forward, not forget him from behind, but you've got to push forward. And we're keeping them tethered right there. And I think they, they had an emotional debt last year at the end of the season, and we saw it against Miami in the playoffs. They got through it, and then Cincinnati got them. Not that Cincinnati might not have beaten them anyway, but I'm just saying that was not the best of Buffalo. Now you've got a chance this year to get back to being the best of Buffalo, but they've had a Bumpy off season. <laughs> Stephon Diggs questions coming up. Yeah, if they can get off, if they get out of the gate fine, that'll all go away. But heaven forbid they start the season one and two, one and three, we'll be right back there. Hey, Stephon, are you happy? And we're right back into it. Charles, would you be so- would you be shocked if the Dolphins ended up winning that division? Nothing would shock me because defensively they're better than what people give them credit for. They've actually been pretty good on defense the last few years. The biggest one is if if Tua out of seventeen games can play those, mm. because offensively they they can they can motor now, they can flat out motor. And let's be honest, there's still a runner out there that people are linking to them, named Dalvin Cook, mm-hmm. that, can, that can increase their power on offense. So this is going to be fun to watch. I thought Mike McDaniel's a rookie head coach, did an excellent job on the offensive side. Listen, they battled Buffalo in the playoffs with Skylar Thompson playing quarterback. 
Now, again, remember, Buffalo had that. We, we talked about what was going on there. They had a lot to deal with. But Miami, yeah, nothing would surprise me in that division. I still think it's Buffalo's to lose, but it won't be easy. Because even the Jets last year, as bad as they were, go back and look at how they did with Buffalo. Beat them in, in New York or New Jersey, wherever where the stadium's located, and lost a tough one up there in Buffalo when they flat out could not move the football at all. And that was the one where, you know, Zach Wilson handled the press conference so poorly, his, his own father called him and said, son, what was that? And then he got benched. Charles, with the uh, with Aaron Rodgers heading over to the AFC now to go play with the uh, the New York Jets, the quarterback disparity between the two conferences, I don't think I've ever seen this, where you have so many elite names over on the AFC side, and over on the NFC side, it's, well, it's Jalen Hurts and then a bunch of question marks, and then, really, it was just this point last year where... Jalen Hurts himself was a giant question mark around a lot of circles. Just have you ever seen anything where there's been such quarterback discrepancy from both from both sides of the conferences? I'm sure I have, but I'd have to go back yeah. and, and, and rifle through this brain of mine. But off <laughs> the top of my head in recent years, no. Like this this really is lopsided. The AFC is where the quarterbacks are. I'll put it to you this way. You remember uh, last year when they said when TV with the new contract, there'll be more games on each one's network yeah. and, and, and CBS. And as it's turned out, that's really not true. <laughs> it's really more like 90% still the same. Yep. If you are my employer, CBS, what games do you want to give up mm-hmm. because of the quarterbacks? None. Right. You've got the quarterbacks. Right. You don't want that to go anywhere. It's so good on this side that we don't even talk about Deshaun Watson for a lot of reasons. Yeah, and if all the other reasons weren't in play, we'd be thought, we'd be crowing about Cleveland having Deshaun Watson. Yeah. That's how good the quarterbacking is on the AFC side. Charles Davis, uh, NFL on CBS, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza in Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, Patrick Dumas, Sportsnet nine sixty, the Fan. Uh, Charles, who's the most overrated team heading into the season in the NFL? Overrated? Eh, it's not a term I deal with very much, but the team that I have a lot of intrigue about and I'm wondering if they can do what they did last year is Minnesota. Okay. Because I I just don't think they can because they won too many close games. Now, that's a positive. But when you set an NFL record for the most one-score wins in a season, that usually doesn't happen two seasons in a row. And they had a bad defense last year. Brian Flores is there to help fix it. But do they have enough talent, players, people to get all that done to help them? Because offensively, they're pretty you know, they're pretty good, even though they lost Thielen and some others and Dalvin Cook. But they're going to be fine on offense. Defense, I'll have to see. I just think the ball bounces your way two years in a row like that. I'll put it to you this way. It's rare you see teams win the turnover margin title two seasons in a row. Yeah. Okay, it happens. Seattle did it, you know. I think we just had it recently here, but it's a rare. I think Dallas has done it, but it's a rare deal because most of the time when you take the ball away a bunch one year, usually don't the next year. The ball bounces the other way. Minnesota and the Giants were won a lot of really close games. Hmm. The Giants won one game in their division last year. That can't happen to make the playoffs two years in a row. Charles, are we living uh, in a world where the Detroit Lions should win a division? And that's insane to say to me. 
yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Not in, it's insane because of the Lions' history, but they should win the division. Now it's a whole different deal. Hard knocks, they were the lovable Lions. We were rooting for them. The whole country was like, my favorite team is the Steelers, but boy, I sure like those Lions. It's not going to be that way this year. Whole different circle, whole different target, whole different mindset. They can't come out of the gate one and six. They can't do any of those things. The division is theirs for the taking. And I love the way they finished last year, knowing that they couldn't go to the playoffs before they even kicked off at Green Bay in week 17. They still went out and knocked the Packers out of the playoffs. They keep that mentality, they'll be fine. But yes, it's their division to win. I think they're clearly the best team in that division. Green Bay will be better than what people think, but I don't think they're as good as Detroit. Chicago, no. Minnesota's the big one. That's the wild card. Are they as good as they were last year? I've already articulated what I think. I think they'll be good, but there's no way they're winning 11 games by one score. And, and, and that is going to be a big part of their ledger. No chance that happens this year. Are casual NFL fans sleeping on Jared Goff? Because obviously he got to the Super Bowl, then went downhill. The Rams traded him. It felt like a salary dump. And then all of a sudden he's found new life in Detroit with the Lions. Does, does Jared Goff maybe get a little disrespected by maybe the casual fan or maybe the national media, Charles, when he was actually very good last year? He was excellent last year. He was fine the year before. I think I give Detroit credit, Brad Holmes, the GM, Dan Campbell, the head coach. They had opportunities to go out and get quarterbacks, draft quarterbacks in high in, in the draft, and they didn't do it because they believed in Jared Goff, and people looked at him a little askance. Guess what? They knew what they were talking about. Here's the reason that the, that the narrative is out there. He quarterbacked the team to a Super Bowl. Brandon Cook's unable to haul in a pass in the Super Bowl, in the end zone, that would have changed the complexion of the game, and they lose 13-3. And for whatever reason, Rams organization started casting their eyes towards another shiny object and fell in love with Matthew Stafford. I think if you ask Sean McVay now, he would tell you, we didn't handle that really well for Jared, and it wasn't all his fault. But they did get a Super Bowl out of it with Stafford. It worked. But that didn't mean Jared Goff was a bad quarterback, and now we're all rediscovering that. Uh, CD, what? Uh, how weird is it going to be? I know it's, it's saying weird. It's been you know twenty three years since he made his debut. But how odd will it be when we get to that first Sunday here in September that Tom Brady will not be taking part on a field? <laughs> It'll be odd, but but are, aren't we all still thinking he, he might yeah. still show up? <laughs> Feels <laughs> like know? it. I'm being somewhat facetious, but, you know, who was it? Antoine Winfield from Tampa Bay is like, I still think they're going to bring Tom back. I mean, <laughs> no one is totally given up on this whole thing, but you're right. It will be strange. I mean, we're very used to him running out there, him having an effect on the season. It's as simple as, what was it, 2008 when they opened in Kansas City and he got hit and his knee got blown Yep. and we missed an entire year with him. The Patriots won 11 games that year. Yep. I think people have forgotten that. And they still in a missed real oddity, <laughs> and, yep, and, didn't, and that was the thing. Didn't make the playoffs in a year they won 11. Yeah. You know how unusual that it's is. Very it's unusual. hard to win 11 in the playoffs, and that's what happened. But, yeah, it'll be strange not having him running around and going LFG and yep. you know, all the other <laughs> that goes along with it. But I have a feeling there will still be plenty of Tom Brady stories out there, oh, yeah. Tom Brady sighting deal, and we'll, we'll just go from there. Uh, Charles, how how 
What kind of an interesting wrinkle is flexing Thursday night games going to happen to teams in the schedule and preparation as, as it goes down the stretch here? Because they can flex the last four games of the season. How do you think that's going to affect teams? I think, I think it, you know, the organizations will dictate how much it actually affects you. Meaning the ones who are used to bouncing around and playing odd schedules and playing 425 one week, 825 the next, 1 o'clock the next, and deal with it and deal with it well, I'm looking at you, Kansas City, they'll be fine. The other ones who are, you know, I got to play a Sunday at 1 o'clock. <laughs> and then when you change it up on them, they don't handle it quite as well. And here's the other part. Let's talk at the end of the year and see how many of them actually got flexed. Because I just don't think it's going to happen. Mm. You know, I, I think the, the worry is going to be bigger than the actual. Because if you examine it, there are a lot of stipulations in there about being able to flex that Thursday. You know? It's almost like Vin Scully's laying out how you can flex it. Well, if it's a Tuesday at two o'clock and the sun is in the you know moon is in the seventh house and then it goes over here and, and you know and then you shorten the hypotenuse, then you can flex it to Thursday. I just don't think it'll happen very often. Uh, real quick here, Charles, um, your thoughts on the creamsicle jerseys officially back for the Bucks? Yeah, I played at the University of Tennessee. Our school colors are very similar. I am fired up. Bring those bad boys back and let's go. Yeah, they look good. I love, I love those. I love the cream sickles. I love Bucko Bruce on the side of the uh, the helmet. The whole thing that comes about it, you know, it just works. <laughs> and before they changed the rules about the Texan helmet, and all, I actually did the last season of games in the NFL that Tampa could wear those uniforms. This is how weird it is. Josh Freeman was the quarterback for Tampa that yes. last season. And he might still play in the NFL this year. No, not yeah, maybe. Josh Johnson is the guy I'm thinking of. You're not thinking Josh, Josh Freeman. Johnson, yeah. Josh Johnson will probably have some sort of start in the NFL uh this season. Charles, it's always a pleasure catching up. Uh we look forward to talking to you come football season. Thanks for this. Thank you very much. And in two thousand and thirty, Josh Johnson will start for some team, some <laughs> league, somewhere. It's true. Uh thanks for this, Charles. There he is on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline. Fifteen time consumers choice award winner at sixty sixty Memorial Drive Northeast for pickup or delivery. Call four oh three two four eight thirty three forty four. I love I love uh Bucko Bruce just yeah. just biting down on the sword there. Yeah, you know, no, that 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 was uh it was a miserable time for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when they wore those jerseys. Uh, they debuted them. They went winless in their first year. Uh, and then they got rid of them just as they were starting to crank it up with that defense and uh, and uh, and whatnot with, with Tony Dungy, uh, Warren Sapp, all those guys. He kind of came there. And then the old NFC Central division could never win in Green Bay because they never, they've never won a game where the temperatures are below minus 30 or below 36 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is one of the most amazing stats. But yeah, no, uh, those like everything old is new again. You see it like that subway bag behind you, uh, them going to their old logo. Everybody loves going back to their old looks now. And like, uh, I think uh, some teams, uh, they almost, uh, I get it in the 90s and 2000s. Yeah, duh change you had to be part of the millennium and all that but no some jerseys just should have stayed and those those bucko ones were pretty oh, yeah. good. And, and their back is an alternate which is nice they'll still have their pewters and grays and the, the red with the with the, the flag but still no those those cream skills were beautiful. oh yeah they are beautiful and uh it's going to be beautiful to watch baker mayfield play quarterback yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know if that's beautiful for mike evans uh it's 
it's definitely seems like Tampa Bay could be one of those teams. Maybe uh, it, it could go south real quick here, and they'll be playing for Caleb Williams at the draft yeah. next year. Uh, who the Cardinals will be definitely uh, looking at, too, depending yeah. on what's going on with Kyler Murray. All right, Buck Martinez is going to join us in about 20 minutes. Uh, something happened yesterday in Miami I want to talk to you about, and mm-hmm. I kind of want to marry it to the city of Calgary. Okay. We'll do that next. It's the Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's the Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Blue Jays color analyst for Sportsnet, the legendary Buck Martinez, in about 12 minutes or so. Asking about the red-hot Toronto Blue Jays who swept away the Arizona Diamondbacks. Don't look now. Only six games back of the race for the division, Patrick. And you know what? Uh, what? You got the rest of this month. You got all of August and all of September. Yeah. A lot of time here. And, Lots uh, of time. But the thing is, they got to win the games in their division. That's the key here. 7-21 and 21 against the division ain't cutting it and you still have i don't know how many games they have left against the division but i know they have to play the rays still they still gotta play the orioles they gotta play the yankees those are games they can't be dropping yep if they want to be maybe a division champ uh at the top of the next hour brent gunning and sam mckee the golf guys on sportsnet 590 the fan uh they're doing they're currently doing the morning show i think they just finished yeah they just finished in toronto they're gonna join us uh talk about uh the scottish open Roy mcelroy getting it done over robert mcintyre I want to ask him about Tyrrell Hatton, too. He's quickly becoming the most fiery guy on tour, and he's uh, he hates golf sometimes when he's out there. <laughs> Pops the bird at the ball towards the <laughs> hole. He's getting a little fiery out there. I want to ask him about that. Look ahead to the Open Championship at Royal Liverpool, and uh, they do a great job of covering the Leafs. Uh, Brent does Leafs Nation pre- and post-game, and yeah. um, Sam McKee's the uh, producer of Real Kipper and Bourne. Uh, what's the deal with the Austin Matthews-William Nylander contracts? Mm-hmm. We'll talk to them, and then uh, really looking forward to talking to uh, Ryan Strashniski uh, from the Humble Broncos. He's got a great uh, charity event coming up at Launchpad. We'll get the deets on that, and uh, an incredible story about a, uh, a surgery he had in Thailand, mm. which potentially uh, will be changing his life. So uh, we'll talk to him at eight thirty. But uh, before we get to Buck Martinez, yesterday in Miami, um, Lionel Messi was unveiled by Inter Miami. <laughs> Um, Was he ever? And fans in Miami uh, waited two hours in the pouring rain through an incredible storm just to see this guy walk out onto a stage. (laughs) Yeah, it was like a tropical storm. It was very (laughs) inclement weather. And just to see him walk out onto the stage, David Beckham got all emotional having a speech. But uh, Messi's officially here. He's going to play Friday for Inter Milan, fresh off leading Argentina to the World Cup, being the best player in the tournament. The MLS has never had a player of Messi's caliber, <laughs> the goat of his generation, no, no question. Like they, Messi's right there with Pele, Maradona, Messi. It's, it's those three dudes yeah. right there, and he's going to be playing in the MLS for Inter-Miami, and people went bananas watching that guy yesterday. Yeah, Beckham was obviously great for what he did to MLS. It was also at the end of his career, but also he, as well, as much as he transcended the game, he was never considered maybe the greatest to ever play the game. Yeah, And that's what Lionel Messi is about to do with MLS. Uh, they signed his former teammate from Barca and Sergio Busquets. So uh, they'll easily be one of the best over 35 teams in the MLS. Uh, that game on Friday against uh, Club Azul, uh, Cruz Azul, will be, uh, will be fun. And if anybody knows Liga MX... Uh, those guys do not take uh, the sport lightly. Uh, they yep. will take liberties. Uh, this is maybe just a friendly exhibition game. It's going to be some feistiness, I think, from those Azul guys. So 
I'm excited to see how this is going to go down. He seems excited to be here uh, in MLS. He was shopping at Publix yeah. with his wife and kids. And, and obviously, out of the destinations in North America, Miami might be the one that's like more different than any other spot in MLS. There's no other city oh, in yeah. the United States like Miami that's got European, Spanish, Latino flair that, you know, Lionel Messi can hop right in there. The culture's there. They like the sport. It's going to be great. Now, the one thing is that uh, the, the travel, uh, I believe he has a penthouse in downtown Miami near where like where the Miami Heat play. But where the, the Inter-Miami play, they play about 40 minutes north. Yeah. You got to get through those I'm roads. sure he'll have They'll a driver, figure it out away, But yeah, they got to get up to Fort Lauderdale. But they're eventually going to build a nice stadium down in the in the downtown area of Miami. It's going to be huge for MLS. And uh, Don Garber, the commissioner, came out and says, I'm not worried about Saudi Arabia right now. You should be. But yeah, because, uh, but no, but getting Lionel Messi over here is going to be massive for the game. And I think, uh, I hope it does well for, for the MLS. And I think there's going to be tons of eyes on that game. I don't know where we can, I'm sure. Yeah. I think the three letter networks got, got the league's cup coverage. So yeah. we haven't, we'll probably be able to watch again. That. Uh, he's, he's the biggest star in North America no, right easily, now. Like you're easily, talking about a global superstar. There's not a bigger sports star on the no, planet more right than now than Messi, yeah. than, than Messi after what he did for Argentina. At the World and, Cup. And I'm still a really solid year. I know people like really like if people that don't follow soccer on a day to day, they really they like to point to what they've done at the international level. They don't really follow them at their club level. Yeah. He had a hell of a year. 16 goals, 16 assists uh, at, at league on at PSG. So uh, playing overage there in a top five league in Europe, still killing it. So yeah. I can only imagine what he's going to be like over here in the MLS. Uh, and uh, again, uh, he's just uh, an incredible superstar, an enormous name, and people waited two hours in the pouring rain to watch Lionel Messi. And uh, he turned down way more money to play in Saudi Arabia because yep. his wife's like, nah, I don't want to live there. Yep. I want to live in Miami. So he decided to play for David Beckham yep. in Inter-Miami. Uh, this is the question I wanted to ask you to tie it into Calgary. Mm-hmm. There's only one guy I think fans in Calgary would wait two hours in the pouring rain. In fact, I think fans for the Calgary Flames would wait 24 hours to see him introduced as a new Calgary Flame. That guy's Connor McDavid. Yep. That's never going to happen. <laughs> He's never going to. Could you imagine that heel turn if Connor McDavid has a free agent? July 1st in three years. Yeah, he's like, you know what? I'm going to stay in Alberta, but I'm going south. Take my talents down to Take south. Take my talents uh, to uh, yeah, so- southern Alberta. Yeah. Uh, again, that's the only guy I can think of. Yeah. Like as a free agent. You'd be like, yep. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe if Austin Matthews signed here. Sure. I think any of those it, elite players, whether there's like, what, three, four, five elite players yeah. in the NHL. It's just we don't have that here in North American sports. No. Like, who would who would be that guy? who Again, they did it in Miami, but that was three dudes who showed up. I don't even think Sh- Shohei, if he, wherever he gets traded, I'm sure would have a giant following wherever he goes. I think Shohei could get a good pull. Like, if he gets, like, randomly traded. Like, like if Cincinnati's like, we just want three months of Shohei. Ellie Dela Cruz, you're going to Los Angeles. Yeah. But we're putting Shohei in Cincinnati for a World Series run. Yeah. I think Cincinnati would definitely show up for, for Shohei Otani showing right. up at the airport. Um, I think LeBron would still have LeBron, that kind of pull. Uh, not so much yeah, anymore. I don't know anymore. Like, like wherever his kid gets drafted, that's probably where he's going to end his career, I think. And like, a good chance. He's going to end up like Charlotte or something yeah, like that. Oklahoma, like, that'd be great. He's like, still going to sell jerseys like, there. I do hope Bronny goes to the most irrelevant NBA franchise, yeah. and LeBron has You're to You're right. Go there. Charlotte would be a great spot <laughs> or for Orlando. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be great. The King and the Magic Kingdom. Sacramento. Yeah, well, they're on the well, rise, they're, they're though. Still, yeah, they're they're on a good the team rise. on it's the rise. California. Yeah, just, uh, yeah, Minnesota. I just don't, Like, it'd be McDavid here, and that's it. They'd throw a parade for Connor McDavid in this city. It'd be hilarious. They would. 
It'd be it'd, it'd be the ultimate troll job. To and there'd be but that's just never gonna happen. Like no, that's just, just that's just never happened. Yeah, like there's no way he's it's gonna been, heel turn and then yeah. all of a sudden uh, make his way down to Southern Alberta. But it's it's incredible what Inter Miami did and how that's going to look like. Uh, I'm actually excited to watch him because he should be able to dominate that league. It's, good, it's a solid league. It's a top ten league in the world near the bottom ten. I would say closer. It's a top twenty league. Probably, I don't think it's I, that I think low. there's, I think there's it's a about, lot better than it has been. On its bad days, Bundesliga two can compare to MLS. Okay, yeah. So, and if you put Bundesliga two is like a, it's obviously second tier Germany, and that's outside the top twenty. Like the thing that's going to hurt MLS is, is as they expand. It's just the same thing that's going to hurt the NHL as they expand the player talent. Obviously, there's more talent and players availability in this sport than over hockey, but like it's just going to get. So cluttered, and that's why I saw a report like the USL, which is the second tier in in the US. They're they're ta- they're going to bring to a vote of possibly a relegation promotion system for the lower tier in uh, in USL, just because so many. It is the most. It is the fastest growing sport on the planet. Everybody wants to be in on it. And with MLS, Patrick, there's no way uh, that pyramid scheme of a league when you pay three, four, five hundred million dollars <laughs> for an expansion team, you're going to get relegated. There's that's what no I mean. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen in MLS. No but, chance. But I'm saying. MLS is just gonna it's gonna get to a point where it's just gonna get over diluted and you have thirty four clubs in it yeah. at, one, at soon. It's just gonna be like, who's here? Yeah. yeah, the US is gonna develop their own talent, but that own good talent is eventually gonna find its way to Europe. So that's where I think the MLS probably needs to stop the break. But again, Lilo Messi's just gonna add to the popularity of the sport. San Diego's getting a club. Uh countless teams wanna get it back into this thing. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other cities that Mostly, they've hit in most everything. San Antonio is a possible destination. Sacramento has been a spot that they've wanted MLS for a while. So there are destinations, but at some point, when is too many? Because you're going to hit 30 here in the next five years, yeah, which is easily the largest professional uh, footballing soccer league on the planet. And you do things differently than everybody else. You don't. You trade. You don't have a. You don't have the relegation promotion system, so I don't want MLS to hurt itself with this. But it will. It will just as long as there's more eyes on the sport. I think that's that's only can get. Better. Well, de- we're definitely tapped out here in Canada with Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto. That's it. And the thing is, that's where the CPL needs to get involved. And I know the CPL has some other issues going on with uh, with the Canada soccer business and how uh, the national team is not going to be come to an expense of the CPL. But you got to think the CPL is also brought in to de- to, to build our players up. Mm-hmm. To get our Canadian talent up, because you cannot have a World Cup without a domestic league. That was the one thing Canada was not going to be a part of this World Cup unless they were able to get a domestic league going. Right, and they got it. Um, Buck Martinez in a couple minutes, uh, but we've been taking your text messages at nine sixty nine sixty all morning. Who's who's the NFL team? The city of Calgary. Um, I'm getting a lot of Bills, baby. Brian and Chestermere, Atlanta Falcons, Lonnie from Dover, a New England Patriots. I'm getting Saints. We're getting to uh, Kansas City Chiefs, George and Airdrie, Denver Broncos, um, Don and Brooks, Saints fans since Ruben Myers, uh, drafted him originally from North Battleford, Saskatchewan. Uh, awesome stuff. Uh, Seattle Seahawks, for sure. I'm a Giants fan because of Joe Pisarchik, who was a Stampedish quarterback in 75 and then went to the Giants. Stephen Mahogany. Uh, there's a lot of Cardinals fans in Calgary because of all the snowbirds who have winter homes and season tickets in Arizona. I would be uh, I would be too if I was rich. Uh, Nick and Crossfield, uh, Eagles fan uh, Austin from Mackenzie Town, Brad and Okotoks, uh, Jerry Rice baby as a ten year old love him. He's a Niners fan. 
uh, Eric in the sticks. As a Ravens fan, I have to say the Broncos and most fans in Calgary, Seattle caught up when they became relevant with Russell Wilson. That, that's kind of a prevailing theme, too. Once the Seahawks got good and were making trips to the uh, Super Bowl, yep. all of a sudden people jumped on the, the Seahawks bandwagon. And of course, the Legion of Boom. Yeah, Richard Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, like the beast mode run, the beast quake run there in that, uh, that 2010 wildcard game against New Orleans where uh, it was just, hey, we just need to run the clock out. No, I'm just going to take this to the house. Yeah. Darren Sharper, horrible human. I'm glad he got the brunt of that in that hit. Um, yeah, no, but that, that was probably the, the, the waking up moment for uh, and Matt Hasselbeck was the quarterback of the Seahawks during that run. I think people might forget about it, but Hasselbeck yep. still was the quarterback of the Seahawks then. Uh, his, his legendary clip uh, in Green Bay. We're going to take the ball. And we're yeah, going to score. Well, well you didn't. You threw pick six. Yeah. Uh, Trenton Calgary Cardinals all the way. A lot of Cardinals. Love That's what I mean. Like on uh, the text line. Like if, if Ontarians and Quebecers go to Florida, then Albertans go to Arizona in the wintertime and uh, NFL's on and. November, December, you get out, watch a game in Glendale up at the old toaster and watch yeah. yourself in Cardinal football. Uh, Jamie and Airdrie, let's go 49ers. Yeah, Niners, again, Niners are a dynasty team. That's a that's a historic team. That's a legacy team, obviously. So they're obviously going to have some love. Uh, Allie and Chestamere, Kansas City Chiefs, because the similarity in colors to the Flames. There you go, red and gold. Uh, Kelly in Southern Alberta, Pittsburgh Steelers, Steel Curtain all the way. Yeah, they're a legacy team there, with uh, with along with Pittsburgh. Uh, dynasty winning team, six Super Bowls, consistent, consistent. You know, yeah. The popular teams will be the more popular teams up here. Yep. Um, Blue Jays uh, swept away the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, yesterday. Don't look now, just six games back of the Rays for that division lead to talk about the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, Blue Jays color analyst for Sportsnet on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Always fun to talk to Buck Martinez. Buck, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. How are you guys today? Good. Are you a little disappointed that DeAndre Hopkins didn't end up with your Kansas City Chiefs, Buck? <laughs> you know what? I don't uh, I don't worry about uh, Andy Reid. I know he's got a plan <laughs> in his hand. He's going to be just fine. Don't worry about the Chiefs. As long as they have Patrick, everything is going to be fine. Yeah, and uh, they're very savvy with their salary cap, too. I agree with you, uh, Buck. Obviously, one of the favorites uh, to win the Super Bowl. I uh, wanted to ask you, uh, Blue Jays, obviously red hot, 8-2 and two over their last 10 games. And what it looked like at the beginning of the season, uh, Buck, the way the Rays got off to this incredible start, don't look now, Buck, only six games back of Tampa for the division lead. That's clearly not out of the question now, is it? No, it's not. Uh, you know, the one thing that's really interesting, too, is the fact that the Blue Jays don't play the Yankees until the last two weeks of the season. The Yankees and the Rays, that's how they'll finish up their regular season schedule. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a good thing they don't play them until then, but they need to be close and within striking distance when these three teams meet up at the end of the season. It should be great baseball. Uh, Buck, obviously Danny Jansen uh, coming up in the clutch yesterday, and he's a guy that's had a ton of uh, injury bad luck. But what I wanted to ask you about was uh, the struggles of uh, Alejandro Kirk behind Danny Jansen, obviously struggling mightily at the plate. What have you seen different from his approach or maybe mechanically that you can put your finger on why Alejandro Kirk is struggling so much this season? I think the biggest thing is the, the league has uh, been put on notice that he's a pretty good hitter, and they're really studying him a lot. You know, last year he was the Silver Slugger winner. He was the all-star starting catcher for the American League. And, you know, uh, when you first get into the league, they just come right after you to see what you can do. And then it took him a while to adjust. But I think now he's getting a pretty steady diet of breaking balls. He's not getting as many fastballs as he did his first season. 
And I think that, you know, the league has kind of sorted things out with him. And, of course, he's been dinged up a little bit, and that'll mess up your timing in the middle of the season. When you think about it, any kind of player misses time in the middle of the season, then you've got to come back and face those pitchers that are on their regular turn. So you're playing catch-up when they're in mid-season form, and I think that's always a challenge as well. Uh, Buck, you said Kikuchi, uh, a little bit of up and down yesterday, that mixed bag result we got most of this year. He's been good for, for the most of it, but then you get that bad. Uh, with Hyunjin Ryu seemingly uh, coming back here sooner, uh, having a, another good performance down in Buffalo, uh, what kind of decisions are John Schneider and that pitching staff going to make once Ryu's up? Obviously, there's Chad Green in the bullpen, Mitch White came back, but what do you think is going to go down with this rotation once uh, Ryu comes back? Well, I think one thing that John Snyder's happy about that he has these types of decisions yeah. to make. When you have uh, an abundance of pitching, it's a good thing. And, and the one thing that we should really focus on is how well the bullpen has pitched mm-hmm. all year long. Mm-hmm. You know, multiple guys down in that pen have had uh, great hot streaks, and I think that really uh, helps out the, the rotation because you can bring the pitchers out of the game early. Kikuchi is, uh, you know, he's pitched uh, consistently into the fifth inning but he hasn't pitched much deeper than that. So it'll be interesting. I don't think anybody's really uh, agonizing over the decision. They'd love to have Ryu back in his last time out against uh, minor league pitching or minor league hitting. He looked pretty good at Buffalo. So uh, I think the encouraging thing is he got up to 66 pitches. So next time out, he should be up to close to 85, 90 pitches, and that'll be a, a green light for the Blue Jays to bring you up north. Uh, with Vlad Jr.'s performance in the home run derby, uh, we saw kind of last year Juan Soto had a good derby showing. He kind of led that off with a good second half. Do you think uh, Vlad can take that derby and turn himself into more consistent hitting? You see more. He's got the power off the bat. It's just so not so much leaving the park. Do you, can you see him rounding his game out and to get more into a consistent here second half? I think so. And we talked about that when it was announced that he was going to the home run derby because he, he loves the spotlight. He yeah. loves the attention. You could see how happy he was to win it and how focused he was on winning that derby. And, you know, when uh, Rosarena made the final out, I think you could see the celebration that Vladdy had, and it was genuine. He, he really takes a lot of pride in that. You know, now he and his father are the only father's son tandem to win the home run derby, but I think it's going to propel him into a strong second half. And, you know, it, it's interesting, too, because when you look at Vladdy's season, uh, he's got 60 RBIs. Yeah, he only has 14 home runs, but he's got 60 yep. RBIs. Yeah. He's probably got about 60 games left. So I think, uh, once again, he's having a pretty good season. He just put up that monster year in 2021, and mm-hmm. that's what everybody compares him to. Uh, Buck, what have you made of Dalton Varsho's first season as a Blue Jay so far? I don't think it's a surprise when you switch leagues. And Dalton, he's not that experienced as you might think. You know, Bo and Vladdy are both younger than Dalton, but they don't. he doesn't have as many games under his belt as those guys. So it's an adjustment. You know, new team, new ballpark, new league, new pitchers, and everything is a bit, a bit of adjustment for him. Given the way he is and how driven he is, I think he will sort things out. Um, he gives you everything he has every single day, and that's all you can ask. It's just going to be an adjustment period for him, switching leagues. Uh, from a guy with limited experience to a guy with a ton of experience, what has Whit Merrifield meant for this team this season, Buck? Because he's been a, a, to me, he's been a, a terrific surprise. Not that it's a surprise because he's a, he's, a, he's a grizzled veteran and a guy who's had a lot of success in this league, but just the bounce back year he's had, Buck, he's been phenomenal this year. Well, he sure has. And uh, you know what? Max Hyder said early on, whoever gets hot is going to play. And he, he stayed with that word. But when you look at the season, which put together 
292. That's the best average he's had since 2019. And uh, I, I think the biggest thing is that he's getting consistent at bats. You know, I spoke to him about last year when he came over midseason. He says, you know, it's always tough when you join a team midseason and expectations are that you're going to go to the postseason. And he never really got comfortable. Well, this year he comes in. He's a big part of the team. He knows he's going to play a lot, whether it's at second or at left field. So I think it's a comfort factor. And, you know, given what he's done in the past, he's always been a very good hitter. He's a lifetime 286 hitter, and, and you expect that if he stays healthy, if he gets regular bats, he's going to be around 280 to 300 all season long, and that's a big asset for the Blue Jays. Uh, Buck, uh, teams obviously played 84 games on the season. Defense was something that the front office really uh, focused on in the offseason. Uh, is it, is it, is it, uh, were you really pleased with what you've seen, how the team is catching the baseball? Is there still room for improvement? What have you thought of the defense so far this season, the new and improved defense? Well, I think the biggest improvement has been in the outfit, of course, bringing Kiermaier and Varsho, and, uh, you know, they're among the best at uh, outfield defense. And, you know, when you make mistakes in the outfield, it costs your ball games. When you make mistakes on the infield, it prolongs innings, and you have a chance to get out of it and overcome those mistakes. That's not the case in the outfield. And last year, I think, as much as we raved about the offense, there was a deficiencies defensively in the outfield. And now Kiermaier and Varsho have improved that. George Springer's had a heck of a year playing in right field, and he played a lot of right field down in Houston for the Astros. He's been very comfortable out there, and he's played that wall as well as anybody. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing for Springer is he's healthy. And when he's healthy, he's one of the best players in the game, both in the field and at the plate. And I think we've seen George putting up big numbers because he's on the field. Uh, Buck, we know the trade deadline is at the end of the month, and there were some rumors out of Chicago that maybe the Blue Jays were interested in reacquiring Marcus Stroman. Just from a personal level, how fun would it be to see that guy pitching for the Blue Jays again? Well, and obviously Marcus had a great run with the Blue Jays, and uh, you know I just don't know how realistic that is, given mm -hmm. uh, you know when he left, things weren't too good. And uh, I think there was uh, some things said and some actions. I, I don't know if that's a possibility bringing him back. He's obviously one of the big targets for everybody uh, at the trade deadline because he's having another great year, but I, I'd be surprised if the Blue Jays bring him back, but I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if he does get moved to a contending club at the, at the trade deadline. Uh, if you were uh, the Angels, Buck, and your owner, Artie Moreno, how tough would it be to trade Shohei Otani? Well, you know what? Last night you could see the uh, the crowd in uh, Anaheim and uh, how much they were focused on Otani. But at the same time, you have to think about it as a business. Yeah, yeah, it's great to see a packed house and it's great to see everybody cheering for Otani. But at the same time, is it going to help you win? Is it going to help you? You know, they've had the best player for the last twelve years in Mike Trout, and he haven't won a thing. Mm -hmm. So you know, he has to do a good job. And this is on Perry Manasian, the GM, to determine what it will take to trade Otani, and it's going to take some, some big league players for sure and a whole bunch of minor league prospects. And one thing I don't think people are talking about, and I think it's a reality, is the Baltimore Orioles acquiring Otani at the trade deadline Oof. because they have a deep, deep uh, minor league system, and they have talented players everywhere. And I think they've called up a couple of these minor guys to get into the big leagues to show the other teams, hey, these guys are big leaguers too, and now they have an excess. And, and certainly they have one of the best players in the minor leagues in Jackson Holiday. 
They're not going to trade him, but they certainly have pieces around him that might be enough to pry Otani away from the Angels, at least for the second half of this season. So if you're a Blue Jays fan, just please National League if he is going to get traded, right, Buck? <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Trade him to the Dodgers so we don't have to worry about it because of the World Series. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Buck Martinez, uh, Blue Jays color analyst for Sportsnet. Buck, always a pleasure. Thanks for this. My pleasure. You guys have a great day. There he is, Buck Martinez in the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline. 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344. All right, straight ahead, uh, golf talk. Mm. Love me some golf. Uh, Rory McIlroy gets it done at the Scottish Open right ahead, uh, right before the Open Championship at Royal Liverpool. We'll tee that up with Brent Cunning and Sam McKee from the Golf Show over on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. They also cover the Leafs. Gonna get the what's, what's the holdup here with the Austin Matthews contract extension? What are we doing here? The Nylander thing, yeah, a lot of layers to <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. But Austin Matthews, it what's should, the hold up? It should be easy for Austin Matthews. Like, yeah. why is there is there a priority more over Austin Matthews yeah. in this organization? Like, what is what's the hold up here? Uh, we'll talk to them straight ahead. And eight thirty, uh, Ryan Strashnishki uh, from the humble Broncos. Uh, we'll talk to him. He's got a cool event coming up at uh, Launchpad, and uh, just an incredible story of a procedure he had done in Thailand. We'll talk to him at eight thirty. It's the big show, Russell and Rose with Patty Dumas, Sportsnet nine sixty, the fan.